This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello, and happy Thanksgiving. This is Jeremy Myers. You are listening to the One Verse Podcast, and today we are going to look at the word evangelism. You might think you know what evangelism is, and you probably have ideas that come to your mind about crusades, Billy Graham crusades or something like that, or maybe some guy standing on a milk carton on a street corner shouting into a bullhorn, or maybe passing out tracts, or even going door to door, knocking on people's door and trying to share the gospel with them. But guess what? None of those are quite what the word evangelism means. And so we're going to look today at what the word evangelism in the Bible actually means, and then also look at a couple of passages from Scripture where this new definition, this new understanding of evangelism is going to help you understand Scripture. Now, as always, this word is one of the words I talk about in my Gospel Dictionary online course. Uh, that, that course looks at 52 keywords of the Gospel And uh, you can take that course absolutely free of charge when you join my online discipleship group. There is a fee for joining the discipleship group. When you do that, though, you get access to all of my online courses, plus a bunch of free books and access to my private Facebook group and a whole bunch of other goodies. By the way, uh, in December, in fact, starting today all the way through December, if you join my online discipleship group at the HOPE level, that's the annual Uh, membership level, then you can give away a free gift membership to a friend or family member or someone in your church or wherever, okay? So when you join, uh, just let me know, or I will actually send you an email uh, giving you a link that you can send to the person that you want to give the free, the one-year free gift membership to. So it's sort of a two-for-one deal. You buy a membership for yourself for the year, and then you can give a free gift membership to a friend, family member, your pastor, an elder, a neighbor, uh, whoever it is that you want to give that to. To learn more about that, you can just go to my website. I have banners up at the top and on the side about giving a gift of discipleship for Christmas, or you can also go to redeeminggod.com gift slash membership. Okay? Uh, or gift-membership, I should say. RedeemingGod.com gift-membership. And uh, the more details will be provided to you there on how all of this works. Okay, so hopefully you join me for the online discipleship group. You can take my courses, even including this Gospel Dictionary online course, and bring a friend along for free as well, uh, starting this month, the rest of November, and then on through December up until Christmas. Okay, so can't wait to see you there. Now, with all of that in mind, let's get into our study of evangelism today. What is evangelism? Again, when most people think about evangelism, they have all these ideas in mind about what it looks like and how it works. And some people get a little bit nervous about evangelism. Like, I don't know if your church or your organization has ever done an evangelism campaign or evangelism training seminar or something, and I'm not quite sure how you might have handled it. I've done all sorts of evangelism. I've done door-to-door evangelism. By the way, I should be using evangelism in air quotes every time I say it, because all of that is not exactly evangelism. I've been involved in Billy Graham crusades uh, when he came to town, helping with the after-counselors and all of that. 
Uh, I've done, uh, I was handing out tracks on street corners evangelism. I've never actually stood on a corner and shouted into a bullhorn, although I was part of a team where the, 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 the leader of the team did that, stood on a milk carton on a street corner, shouted into a bullhorn, and my job was to <laughs> act like an interested person passing by. And, you know, as more people walk up and stop, that encouraged other people supposedly to walk up and stop too. And then I was supposed to sort of spark up conversations. Wow, what do you think of what he's saying? Looking back now, <laughs> it seems a little manipulative uh, um, to do, quote unquote, evangelism that way. But it is what I've done. So I've done all of that. And then about six or seven years ago, maybe longer, now that I think about it, this might have been 12 or 13 years ago now, I started really to investigate what the Bible teaches about evangelism. And I wrote an article for the Journal of the Grace Evangelical Society, that's a theological journal, called uh, The Gospel is More Than Faith Alone in Jesus Christ Alone. And I did a study of all of the times that the word gospel is used in the Bible. And as part of that study, I discovered that the word used for gospel, which is euangelion, by the way, is also the same exact Greek word, one's a noun, one's a verb, that is used for evangelism. Okay, so the Greek word euangelion is often translated as gospel, whereas the Greek verb euangelizo or euangelizomai often gets sort of translated as evangelism. Now, if I was to have a whiteboard or chalkboard uh, that you could look at, in fact, you should go to, just go to redeeminggod.com slash gospelism, and I have it written down there, sort of. But what we discover is that evangelism, the word evangelism, is not actually a translation of any Greek word. Instead, it is a transliteration. Okay, so what's the difference? A translation is when the person translating the Bible from Greek or Hebrew takes the Greek or Hebrew word or whatever and then finds the equivalent similar word in English and then writes down the English word instead. Okay, that's translation. We're all familiar with how translation works. Transliteration, though, here's what they do they come across a Greek word, for example, and for various reasons, maybe they're not quite sure how to translate it, or maybe um, there is a, an English word that, that was a transliteration. And so rather than translate it, they take the Greek letters and change them into English letters and then write down that word, whatever it is. So it's actually still a Greek word. It's just written in English letters. You can probably hear this a little bit if I go say it a little bit slower. Okay, the Greek word is euangelizomai. All right? And the English transliteration is evangelism. The u and the v sort of get mixed up a little bit there, but the Greek letters and the English letters are basically identical, exactly the same. So what this means is every time in your New Testaments, when you see the word evangelize or evangelist or evangelism, that's not a translation of a Greek word. That is a transliteration. They didn't translate it at all. 
All right. And so I've written a series of articles on my, on my uh, blog. Again, it's at redeeminggod.com slash gospelism that argues probably since gospel is a good translation of the noun euangelion, why can't we also translate the Greek verb euangelizomai? Why can't we translate that as gospelism, right? Let's be consistent with our translations of the nouns and verbs. If, if, if euangelion becomes gospel, then euangelizomai can become gospelism. And when we do that, that helps us understand what the Bible is inviting us to do when we gospelize. Think about it. And obviously, we first need to understand what the gospel is before we can gospelize. All right. But, but a lot of times people have this impression that evangelism is just getting people to, you know, believe in Jesus for eternal life. Or depending on your church tradition and background, you know, convert, uh, be born again, uh, you know, raise a hand, sign a card. None of those actually are biblical uh, requirements. It's just believe in Jesus for eternal life. But again, different churches have different traditions and uh, they, they sort of muddle the gospel, at least the gospel invitation. Um, but, 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 and then they think that's it. So sometimes you hear people say, well, my job is just an evangelist. I get people in the door. It's the pastor's job as the teacher to disciple them and raise them up and teach them the truths of scripture. And that whole idea is because they don't recognize that evangelism is gospelism. Evangelism is teaching and training somebody in the truths of the gospel. And since the gospel is not just about how to go go to heaven when you die or how to receive eternal life, the gospel contains truths for all aspects of life. Yes, one of the central truths of the gospel is Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who believes in him for it. Okay, That's the gospel invitation. But that's not all of the gospel. The gospel also contains truths about following Jesus and faithfulness to Jesus and and our condition and who we are in relationship to God and the importance of studying scripture and assembling together with other believers. And okay, all of those other truths are also gospel truths. All right. And so what this means is that the evangelist, or when we engage in evangelism, all right, it's not just getting people to convert, getting people to believe in Jesus. Evangelism or gospelism is actually discipleship. All right? We make friends with people who are not Christians, genuine friendship, and through the progress of that friendship, they come to know that we are friends with Jesus. And we, they are introduced to Jesus through us, through our actions, through our love, and through our service. And somewhere along the way, we might tell them, yes, you can be, uh, become part of the family of God by believing in Jesus just like I did. Okay? But at that point, the process doesn't stop. Now you have gone from inviting a person to believe in Jesus. You're still going to maintain that friendship. Now you are going to work on, over time, discipling that person, raising them up in the truths about the family of God, teaching them the things that Scripture teaches us, teaching them some of the things that I'm teaching you here on this podcast. 
right? Some of the things you might read in some of my books or even some of the other books or podcasts uh, that you might listen to or read. All of that is gospelism. You might say, well, and Jeremy, what's the difference between a gospelist and a pastor, a pastor teacher? Um, I, I, I talk about the main, I've got a book coming out called God's Blueprints for Church Grow that should be out early next year sometime, and I do talk about this. It looks in depth at Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 15, that talks about these verses. And uh, there's these four spiritual gifts in there, the uh, apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor teacher. And I do talk about the differences in there between the evangelist or the gospelist and the pastor teacher. Basically, real quickly right now, the gospelist or the evangelist is someone who models the gospel and the truths of the gospel uh, with their life and their words and their actions. The pastor teacher is the one who does the more formal education, teaching, instruction, especially through exegesis and exposition of scripture, which is sort of some of what I do on this podcast as I try to explain Bible verses to you, okay? So that's sort of the main difference between the gospelist or evangelist and the pastor teacher that Paul talks about there in Ephesians chapter 4, okay? So all of that in mind, evangelism, evangelist, what is it? It's not getting people to believe in Jesus. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Instead, it is living your life in front of others in a way that invites non-believers to investigate the truths about Jesus and ultimately believe in him for eternal life, and then invites believers to follow Jesus in a life of faithfulness as they continue to live the gospel and understand the truths of the gospel in Scripture. All right? That is evangelism, gospelism. Let's look at a few Bible verses where this sort of understanding of gospelism or evangelism helps. Let's start with Matthew 11.5. This is uh, the time where John the Baptist goes and questions Jesus and says, are you really the one? He doesn't go. He sends some of his servants because he's in prison. Are you really the one or should we send someone else? Should we be looking for somebody else? And Jesus sends the, 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 the disciples of John the Baptist back and he says, look, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. All right. Now you heard that word gospel. The Greek word here is actually the verb euangelizomai but it gets translated as have the gospel preached, which is fine. I actually like that as a translation because it's not evangelism, but but that that could be some translations. I don't think that any translations put it here, but that would be based on transliteration, you know, following some of the other translation methods that, that could be legitimate here. They could say, and the dead are raised and the poor have been evangelized. All right. And uh, But I, I would not like that translation because it doesn't actually explain what's going on. But here's why I point out this text. If you think that evangelism is just giving a gospel tract to somebody or telling somebody how they can go to heaven when they die or how if they believe in Jesus, they can have eternal life, then what Jesus is saying here is, hey, you followers of John, go back and tell John all the things you've seen and heard in me. And one of them is how I told the poor that they could go to heaven when they die. 
Now, did Jesus tell people how they could have eternal life, how they could go to heaven when they die? Of course he did. It's all over the place in the Gospel of John. Uh, But that's not the only thing Jesus did for the poor and the dead and the lame and the lepers and the deaf, did he? He didn't just tell them, hey, if you believe in me, you can have everlasting life. No, Jesus did more than that. And he talks about it right here in, in Matthew eleven five. He gave sight back to the blind. He allowed the lame to walk again. The lepers were cleansed from their leprosy. The deaf could hear again. The dead were raised up. And the poor, what? They were told how they could be rich in spirit. And the good things that God had in store for them. And how the things of this world were not all that mattered. But they had so much more through their inheritance as members and children of the family of God. Okay? And that's what we uh, see from Jesus' ministry. Uh, He's not just caring for their eternal destinies. He is also caring for their physical, earthly needs. Which also is part of the gospel. Right? Jesus doesn't just tell people how to go to heaven when they die. He also tells them how to experience the rule and reign of God in their lives, here and now, on this earth. All right? And so that's what Jesus actually did. When he encountered the poor, he fed and clothed them. And he instructed his disciples to do the same. Just in the the previous chapter, Matthew 10, 42, this is exactly what he said. Right? And so now he's showing through example uh, in, in, in teaching uh, the, the followers of John the Baptist this as well. Okay, so that is to how to gospelize the poor. Doesn't do any good. I mean, it does a teeny tiny bit of good <laughs> to go tell the poor and the homeless, hey, if you believe in Jesus, you can have eternal life, right? But Jesus challenges us as gospelists, right? As people who live the gospel to do more than that, to actually feed and clothe and heal and help and serve them. That is truly living out the gospel. All right, let's look at another text. How about a famous one? Romans 1.15. We all know about the book of Romans. It's Paul's explanation and defense of the gospel. And so he writes, uh, Paul does in Romans 1.15, so... As much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. All right, again, preach the gospel there is the Greek verb, euangelizo. And so it could be translated as gospelize. I'm glad they did not translate this as evangelize because many of these people that Paul is writing to are what? They're already Christians. It would not make any sense. Again, if you think evangelism is just telling non-believers how to receive eternal life, then it wouldn't make any sense for Paul to write to the believers in Rome. He says, hey, I am ready to come to you and evangelize you. People would say, wait, what? They're already Christians. Why does Paul want to evangelize them? Well, he wants to evangel. He does want to, quote unquote, evangelize the Christians in Rome. Because evangelism, 
gospelism, preaching the gospel, doesn't just mean declaring the good news to them so they can escape hell, have their sins forgiven, go to heaven when they die, receive eternal life, again, however you want to define it. It means discipleship, teaching them the truth and modeling it for them. It does say preach the gospel. I think it's more than preach. It's also practice in their presence, that sort of an idea. Because, you know, Paul could declare it by written text, as he's doing in Romans, but he wants to go and live with them and show them what the gospel-centered life actually looks like as they imitate him, as he imitates Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's why he wants to go to Rome to gospelize the Christians, the believers who are in Rome. And Paul then goes on in the rest of Romans to say, in fact, even in Romans 1.16, which is sort of the theme verse after this, that he's not ashamed of the what? The gospel. But he's going to explain the gospel through the rest of Romans. And he does that not just in Romans 1 through 8, but also in 9 through 16. And uh, that's a whole other explanation on how the entire book of Romans is all about the gospel, not just the first eight chapters. But uh, that whole study will have to save, save for another time. All right, let's see. We could probably do one more. Let's do 2 Timothy 4.5. Again, Paul is writing to the young pastor Timothy. And here he tells Timothy, this young pastor in Ephesus, he says, But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So I chose this one because it does actually have the word evangelist here unlike the previous two texts we looked at, all right? And by the way, I mentioned earlier Ephesians 4.11 with the, the four spiritual gifts there, but I don't need to mention that one. Anyway, 2 Timothy 4.5 also mentions evangelists, and Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So is Paul saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to go knock on doors, go door to door in your neighborhood, and invite people, hand out Bible tracts if you need to, and share the Romans road with them or the four spiritual laws and tell them how to believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. No, I don't think so. Okay? I think that the other terms that Paul uses here, they all are explaining the same concept. Paul is telling Timothy, be a good pastor, be a good role model for the believers under your care. All right? Uh, Paul is not telling Timothy to give a altar call every Sunday in his sermon. Do the work of evangelists, right? So every Sunday is 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 Timothy supposed to assume? Boy, there could be unbelievers here. I better you know tell people how to receive eternal life and do an altar call. Have people come forward? No, that's not what Paul is telling Timothy either. Again, it's about living out the truths of the gospel to do the work of a gospelist, to understand all of the myriad, multifaceted truths of the gospel, live it out in his life so that people know what it looks like for someone who has given themselves over to the gospel. Paul is telling Timothy, be a disciple-maker. Teach the truth, yes. Model the truth, yes. Not just for unbelievers, but also for believers. That is what evangelism is. That is what gospelism is. It is a life that reflects the gospel. All right? So 
That is gospelism. There's lots of other texts we could get into, but I think you get the idea. I've given you three or four examples here, including Ephesians 4.11, if you want to count that one. But there's lots of other passages. But you can get out a strong concordance of your own. Look up the word evangelist or gospelist. Uh, if you know the Greek and get into uh, euangelion and euangelizo, uh, even go read my journal article. It's found at faithalone.org. I don't know the rest of the link, but you can just search Google for the gospel is more than faith alone and Jesus Christ alone. And uh, you can find that download the PDF version of that document from somewhere online, I'm sure. Uh, also, I invite you to take my online course if that is something that interests you. Again, the 52 keywords of the gospel and the word evangelism is one of those 52. We also look at the word gospel and we see the difference between the two there. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about evangelism. And remember, if you do want to join my online discipleship group and you haven't already, uh, between now and Christmas is the time to do it. Because when you join at the annual rate, you can invite a friend or family member to, to come along with you absolutely free. And then you can take the courses together. You can read and discuss the books together. You can join the private Facebook uh, group together and learn alongside someone else. That always makes discipleship or gospelism <laughs> that much better, doesn't it? So uh, you can learn more about that by going to redeeminggod.com slash gift membership. Also, there's some banner ads at the top of redeeminggod.com. Uh, you can just click on those. That will take you to the same place. All right. Hey, uh, next week we are going to begin looking at the word faith. We're going to see what faith is and is not. And also, we will probably look at one or two texts uh, related to faith. All right, that's where we are headed next week. Between now and then, hopefully you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I thank God for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for partnering with me, buying my books, praying for me, supporting me, encouraging. You are such an encouragement to me, and I just want to thank you so very much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends, family members. Hopefully it's relaxing and enjoyable and uh, you eat too much turkey and, and spend the afternoon on the couch digesting as you watch football or whatever it is you've got planned for tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week right back here at the One Verse Podcast as we study the word faith. All right. See you then. Talk to you later. Bye.